So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast that's slightly late this week, as we've been touring around pointlessly under a safety car for the last four days. We had to do it. The weather was bad. Welcome to... Guys, how does this work? Sorry, Shika, we can't tell you. We'll get a penalty. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that doesn't feature a lot of booing, which means we have good British spirit here. Boo, boo, Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast that avoids seventh gear at all costs. In my driving lessons, I've only got up to third. <laughs> you wait till you get to seventh. I'm Chica and today, from the Galvanizers Union in Bromley by Bow, we look back at the British Grand Prix. What out? At last, the Grand Prix on home soil. This meant that, like every race, we didn't have to pack our oversized bags and head abroad. Instead, we watched last weekend from the comfort of our very separate living rooms. We will dissect and scrutinise one of the most prestigious races in the F1 calendar. That's all to come. With me are the other two-thirds of this F1 analysis bureaucracy. Firstly, a man who once appeared in a CBeebies programme all about a special coconut. It's Terry Saunders. I don't remember this. What's this about? I did a CBeebies podcast thing. I don't remember the specifics, but, you know, it was a heady time. CBB in the the early teens was just crazy. Just, I mean, you know what they say about CBeebies in the early teens? If you were there, you can't remember it. Now, hang on a second. No, if you can't remember it, you were there. If you can remember it, you weren't there. Was Bill Cosby working If you can't remember it, you didn't inhale. Hang on a second. Yes. So, you're Terry Saunders. Hi. You have I'm, a glad history, we, I'm glad we've got this one sorted you, out. You have a history on this podcast alone yep. of using a lot of swear words. Yep. How were you ever involved with CBeebies, which for our foreign listeners is the children's BBC channel? I can switch it off, feel like a professional. I can switch off that swear brain box. Well, I, I mean, can stop dropping C-bombs. Could I you can... switch it on for the podcast? Or are we going to... What, do you want me to stop swearing? <laughs> okay. No, no, I like it. Carry on. But how did you... No. How, uh, what, what were you doing doing kid stuff? I won't swear for this entire <laughs> podcast. There's a chat, And if I do swear, every swear I do, I'll donate £5 to charity. £5? Every swear. Every single swear. Right, so by not swearing, you're Which? depriving the kids <laughs> or the cancer patients. <laughs> yes. 
Which which charity? Uh, mind. My, okay, I think you're gonna say mine. Oh, mine. mine. I thought you said mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my Your own charity. charity. <laughs> my pocket. No, the I Terry don't Saunders oh, well. Holiday Fund. I can turn off. Now, bear in mind, I am drinking as well. This is gonna be an expensive podcast. <laughs> And alongside him is a motoring journalist who is looking slightly sunburned. I say slightly, you're looking extremely sunburned. You are looking quite sunburned. It's Phil Tromans. Also, I like the fact you've got a red neck, but with a, a white, what looks like where you might have some sort of medallion. Was I don't lanyard? have a medallion, no. Oh, I did have a lanyard. Oh, yeah. really? I haven't seen it. I've yeah, literally, lanyard, Mark. Lanyard. I've been out today in London, which I've been at the, uh, one of the swankiest sporting events. Been at the Lord's Cricket Ground for the England-Pakistan match. But it did remind me a little bit of being in the sort of the F1 paddock, except it was considerably more middle class. Because you know if you go to an F1 race, or you may yep. have seen if you've been to an F1 race, there's burger vans and, uh, and, and there's mud everywhere and this kind of thing. Lords, it's not like that. They had uh, a Verve Clicquot section. Oh, we can go and have some champagne. I um, don't even know what that is. They had some very swanky tea and coffee things. It's a type of champagne. And then uh, <laughs> and they had, it's the most middle class thing in the world, they had a Waitrose. Like oh, a portable, a portable waitrose oh. set up outside the ground. I years ago uh, used to work for Costa Coffee. They had a coffee store at the British Grand Prix, and I can probably say this now. What they used to do was they used to turn up early. They weren't very busy because it was pre-coloured coffee days. No one cared. And what they do is they'd fill up their kind of coffee cups with beer, and then put like a froth of like latte cappuccino milk on top, so that if anyone walked past, they'd be like, "Cool, those Costa guys are." drinking coffee a lot aren't they and actually they were just getting they were getting wankered let's start with the story i mean extremely heated row we've been having in this listeners corner rules f1 has a lot of them many are good many are up for discussion at silverstone two particular sets of rules came into focus one was the interminable safety car start which dragged out for seemingly most of the race. And the second was the continuing adventures surrounding what you can say over the radio and what is forbidden. Nico Rosberg was penalised 10 seconds for discussing solutions to his gearbox problems with his engineers. So we asked you, what do you think of that? And Marty Fullard came back and said, ban all radio chatter. If someone explodes, good. Marty, I agree with you. I think we should... But I love it when they've got a bit of chat and you hear them like... But do you love it enough for them to basically be able to tell everything that's going on with the car? Because they have so many sensors on the Mm. car now. The engineers, not even at the track, back at the factory, Mm -hmm. know what's going on with the car before the drivers do. Do you love the radio bants enough to have bulletproof reliability and nothing ever go wrong? Why don't they just get rid of the driver's ability to change it all? Why don't they get rid of all the buttons on the steering wheel? And Ooh. then you can have the chat. Is there not an argument that part of the skill of the driver is to figure out, to feel if he has a problem and drive around it or change something somehow? Whether that's through driving slower or not leaning on the tyres or through fiddling with settings. Could you not but there are so many settings. There that, are a lot. That would be like going at 200 miles an hour and then someone's going, right, on your phone, go into settings, then scroll down, <laughs> there's a VPN setting. You don't want that one. You want to scroll down more. You know, see in cellular... Right, going to that. No, sorry, it's not cellular. It's background <laughs> at refresh. You know, it's just, oh, come on. So do you think then if there's a problem, they should just be like, well, you're screwed then, aren't you? And carry on until they blow up. Uh, no, I still think they should chat. But I'm just saying is that the drivers can't have all the control for all the changes. Maybe there's only a certain number of things they can have influence over. Just basically a little steering wheel with no buttons on it. How little? 
like tiny, tiny <laughs> steering wheel, just with their fingers. The size the of a button. Yeah. Little button. Jensen Button's driving a button. <laughs> well, I think we've come up with a really good solution here. There we we'll go. That there we go. So if we think about the rules of it, Adrian okay. Lovell came in and said he broke the rules, so the penalty was fair enough. The rules are stupid. They should be allowed to say whatever they want, but every radio stream should be live broadcast online for the fans. Maybe as part of the ludicrously high price the F1 live timing app costs. TV and radio broadcasts can take as much or as little as they want. I think you can get a transcript of all the radio. I don't think you can. You can't get everything. I think you get everything. You get a transcript of a lot. Okay. More than goes out on on the feed, on the TV. You know, if you pay money, you get super access to everything it's like being in the back of the garage or something yeah like if you can on. which you know maybe with Heineken coming in as a sponsor and what they're going to do and all these kind of rumours I mean I don't know if we're going to talk about it but there's rumours about Apple buying Formula 1 this week which is insane but you know if you had a, a, an app and you could just hook into everything I'd pay £100 a minute for that <laughs> £100 a minute if you're listening <laughs> broadcasters you've got a very willing uh, yeah do you can we get anything here. juicy surely they'd just start swearing their head off to well, avoid that happening again and everyone else like, shut them up or saying really outrageous uh, racist things or speaking in code that's the what. foxes in St. Petersburg say <laughs> change the section but as a, as a interesting because it wouldn't be broadcast it would be on a special app or something so it wouldn't so swearing would be fine they wouldn't be under the rules of broadcast I don't oh, know I'm not sure I like that I, I, I prefer the idea of nothing to everything I think well, Craig Winter said the FIA have ballsed up again, basically setting a precedent that if you break the rules on radio assistance, you can expect a 10-second penalty. That is a very good point. This is right. totally right, yeah. Because now the teams know what will happen. If they're in a position where they're like, shit, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. If we break the rules and tell the driver what to do, it'll be a 10-second penalty. How is that going to affect where we are now? They've got a 20-second lead over somebody. No problem, let's do it, because the alternative is we're going to break down. Which is basically the gamble Mercedes made with Nico Rosberg. So it would seem. They went, right, if we don't do anything, his gearbox is going to seize up, he's going to retire. Mm-hmm. If we do do something, he can keep second place, and with a penalty, you know, we'll, we'll take those chances. It's either the plus side of gambling is second place, not doing anything is losing and in the end they got third place which you know is much better than nothing yeah well is there an argument then do we do you guys think that they should have had a, a stricter penalty they should have disqualified him Ooh. <sighs> okay let's talk about safety car starts because of the rain the first hundred or so laps of the british grand prix was spent in formation <laughs> behind a third mercedes and then when it came in half the field followed switching to inters because it was almost dry what did the FF1S Massive think of that, we asked? Well, Scott came in again and he said, boring, it ruined the race. He paid a shitload for tickets to see the race, neutralised for no reason. It was a bit of an anticlimax. I couldn't help thinking what with all the sport that was being broadcast on that day. We had this, the British Grand Prix, mm-hmm. we had the final of Wimbledon mm-hmm. with a British guy in it. Andy and then Murray. we had the Euro 2016 finals. If anybody, this is surely the race, at least in the UK, where the, the casual fans are going to tune in. They go, yeah. oh, the British Grand Prix, maybe I'll watch that. It's a yeah. classic thing. If they turn on and see people tooling around in rapidly drying conditions, I'd have been annoyed. I'd have turned off. But that is what Formula One is best at. Let us not forget Formula One at Indianapolis, the home of American motorsport 
hundreds of thousands of people in the grandstand watching to see all the six cars peeling off into the pits after lap <laughs> la- la- one because it's a bit dangerous this, yeah. isn't it? Oh, let's not do it. <laughs> Formula One is amazing at messing everything up right at the moment they should be <laughs> d- doing their best. Okay, so Alan David said, jolly decent of Charlie Whiting to help Lewis with his start issue at Home GP. I mean, what do you think? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but he has ruined a lot of his starts in the last couple of races. And if it was a bit wet, it would have been an interesting start for Lewis. And yet, oh. Well, you, I mean, you say you're not a conspiracy theorist, but you are sporting a very nice new hat that appears to be made out of some kind of tinfoil. Yeah, that's actually an aerial. So Tim Cheeseman said, I think what a lot of us were thinking, saying, I can understand doing a lap or two to reduce the risk of the first corner chaos and give the drivers a chance to check out what the standing water is. But surely it's either safe to race or it's not. And if not, don't do a dozen safety car laps, delay the start and get the leaf blowers out to clear some water. I did think that and thought maybe they had like water hoovers. Get around once. Well, apparently, I was reading about this because Indianapolis or Indy races, they have special machines that clear oh, the yes. water. Mm-hmm. But that helps because they've got banking that can draw the water down. into the downward position. Well, they sort of have lorries with holes. jet engines, don't they? Yeah. They're almost like enormous hair dryers that just drive around Whoa. the track. But with a, with a classic British track with lots of bumps and undulations, if you move the water, the water would just go, oh, I'm fine here, actually. I'll do. <laughs> well, I mean... To jump ahead in the race, do you remember when it was almost all dry except for turn one, was it? It was turn one. And that provided all sorts of entertainment. So maybe there's an argument for, "Eh, let's not clear all of it. It's just went to, I mean. (sighs) I mean, we're getting dangerously close to advocating Bernie's argument for sprinklers on track. Yeah, maybe he's onto something after all. No. Don't know. Make races interesting. It seems to me that, I I mean, there's got to be a better way. At, At one end of the spectrum, you've got, you remember Spa a few years ago where they started off and immediately Coulthard took out half the field yep. and now that they don't have spare cars that would be I mean you'd have sort of 10 seconds of everyone going whoa this is the greatest thing ever where everybody crashes but then it'd be sort of you know another Indianapolis with six remaining cars yep. pootling around okay. but at the other end you've got however many laps or hours it was of just nothing happening it did seem that even if they had to start it under the safety car this time they left it for way too long Yeah. can I be a little controversial here yes the fault of this lies with Jules <coughs> Bianchi's family Jesus. They sued Formula One management a few months ago for the, basically for the unlawful death of their son, saying that because of mistakes made at the Japanese Grand Prix a couple of years ago, they have a a legal case to answer, which unfortunately I think means that the Formula One management go, well, we have to be super cautious you know if we have this you know if, if they started under fully wet conditions and then you know god forbid a driver went off a crash and got injured with this court case going on this would be a huge huge legal issue for formula one and i think actually obviously i'm not blaming his family and saying they shouldn't be doing what they're doing but it's setting a precedent of mitigating against danger for formula one it's saying that formula one can't be dangerous if this court case wins i think which you know, because you don't want to get sued in Formula One. Well, then, in that case, should they just not just delay the start? If it's wet and there's a danger of that being an issue, just delay the start. Yeah, but then you get TV coverage and what, you know, the, the <coughs> most places have only got a window of an hour or two here or there, and, you know. And also, if they don't have any cars on it, how much of it is going to move? Yeah. It's well, true. maybe there should be some separate championship for the different commentators from different countries seeing how well they can fill empty space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
with you know remembrances of Mauricio Gujelman or <laughs> conversations about the different burgers that they have at different circuits around the world or something. That'd be a good one. Simon Billington summed it up by saying, "Unless you need a paddle, start." Up until that point that you just made a second ago, I would have which agreed. is actually very insightful. I think. No, I feel may, terrible. You may well be onto something. Well, uh, I would normally agree. I would just say, you know, bollocks, go out, go. There was a very interesting meme going around the internet about this, uh, which was a side-by-side shot of this year's race under the safety car and the 1989 Australian Grand Prix, which was in torrential rain conditions. And it was like, these current drivers are wimps. Look at the old days. They were they used to drive in all these conditions. But in that race, Alain Prost refused to start because it was too dangerous. A lot of the drivers who did start were like, we shouldn't have done that. And Ayrton Senna, don't forget, died a couple of years later because of lax safety standards. So, you know, let's not be showing this picture of, oh, back then they're amazing because they were all doing it, but they were moaning like crazy. On that note, tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're FF1S or you can email us at wrong at ff1s.com. Now let's go on to talking about the teams one by one, starting off, of course, with Mercedes. Now, in the British Grand Prix, I think Hamilton was the guy that you hated at school. He was popular, he was an overbearing show-off, he looked good in the rain, and he was the prick that said, yes! accompanied by a jerky fist under arm movement when he's done well in class. And despite all this, you really want him to like you. And I think Rosberg was the person I could relate to at school. Always in trouble, but not for doing anything major enough to be cool, deeply unpopular, and thinking you've done well and then finding out you've done a lot worse than you thought. Does anyone still think that Rosberg could possibly win the championship? I'm afraid I think you've I think you've got it wrong there. I think this is what they would be like if they were at school now. But I think at school, Hamilton said he was bullied at school. So I think he was an underdog that... No, Terry, I didn't say imagine at school. I said if if we were going to put into perspective of being at school. I wasn't but I, yeah, but <laughs> recalling I, no, their childhood years. I think it's the, the opposite way around is what's caused them to be who they are now. Oh, I think really? Rosberg was spoilt. Super I think rich. he was told he was the best at everything. He's come here with a with an entitlement complex that means he thinks he deserves a championship, even though he's shown nothing to me to say he should win it. Whereas, well, apart from no, an enormous no, 40-something point lead. Yeah, well, well we're not one saying... Point, at one point, one point. <laughs> now it's one point, one point. Oh. <laughs> so could he still win? That's not... I'm, I'm not, could he still win it? Yeah, he could still win it. I mean, Vettel could still win it, but Hamilton will. I think Hamilton will win it. Rosberg could win it. But, I mean, Hamilton has... A little bit of a history of sometimes being his own worst enemy. Would you could be su- sabotage himself, but... Would you be surprised if Rosberg won? Kind of. Not I mean, he should surprised. win it. He's, he's got everything in place to win it this year. He absolutely should. He still has a bit of an advantage in that he's got loads of engines left and Hamilton hasn't. Yeah. But I think Hamilton's a better driver. I think, I think at the end of the day, it's as simple as that. If Hamilton can avoid outside factors, he should win. Mm-hmm. I think the pressure gets to Rosberg. I mean, all it takes is another few issues for Hamilton for him to start eating into the engines that he doesn't have and amassing penalties and great penalties. Because we saw in Baku, he started, he had a shit time, started 10th, only made his way up to 5th. Whereas Rosberg has generally, unless he's had a problem or he's taken himself out, he's generally 
nailed it. He's pretty reliable. He's not as quick ultimately as Hamilton, but he's pretty consistent. But he'll have, he'll have noticed that he's had a lead that's gone from like 40 points to a point in a space of about a month, and he will be bricking it. And but when he gets stressed out, he won't be as good. Because he gets moody, and he's, mm. and he's like, like yeah, because Hamilton never gets moody. I don't think he does it's get. He now. doesn't get moody in the same way anymore. You see it like petulant moody and throw it away. Now he just gets like, come on, guys, what's going on? He turns you know? into Jensen Button. Yeah, <laughs> guys, <laughs> come on, guys. Whereas, I mean, that like we've talked a bit about the radio rule thing, but that bit in the race where they said like avoid seventh gear. Or, no, they said, what do you mean I can't do that? What are you talking about? And he's just thinking, and he's like, all right, take a chill pill, man. Just <laughs> work it out. Avoid seventh gear. Just go to eighth. How many gears are there? I have no idea. How many gears are in Formula One? Uh, eight, I think. Because I was told there was five gears in life. <laughs> <laughs> there is to be in eight. Life. Can I, can I also ask, why did last race in Baku, why could they not tell Hamilton what to do, but when Rosberg asked, they told him what to do? Well, they couldn't tell him. They couldn't tell Rosberg what to do. That's why he got a penalty. Why didn't they tell Hamilton if they told Rosberg? I'll tell you why, and I, I'm happy to spend this money, is because Rosberg is a fucking pussy. <laughs> I think that's two. That's, that's, yeah. I don't think pussy's one. No, 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 pussy's that's that's another one. <laughs> that's 15 quid in the space of two sentences. Right, Ferrari. Now, I think, guys, we really should respect the dignity of a former four times world champion driver going through a tricky patch with his current team and avoid talking about Vettel's weekend. However, Caring about people's feelings has never concerned us before, so let's go into it. Vettel's Grand Prix involved gearbox failures, scrappy driving, bad strategy and an embarrassing result. Not only that, if there was a world championship for whining, he really would have been in the points last weekend. Raikkonen was, as he usually is, alright. He overtook Perez but couldn't challenge Red Bull and I think Mercedes forgot they even existed. Do you reckon this week... Vettel could have been wishing that he'd stayed at Red Bull. I'm going to talk um, a bit about Ferrari in the state of F1 later, but I think it's safe to say that Ferrari and Williams are both heritage teams that seem to go through the same pattern every year, which is Ferrari always go, this is the year, we're going to do it. And then they send the first few races, they're looking really promising, and they, they're not quite there, but they're like, oh, we just need one step and we will be there. And then what they do is they take that step, but it's like on the wrong escalator, or they're back on the ground floor, and everyone else is going, yeah, this is fun. And in the same way that Williams always do that kind of, we're going to do it, and they never do. It's like, I'm sick of excuses from these guys. I'm not sure how much this weekend that their problems were self-inflicted and, and how much were unfortunate circumstance because basically Vettel particularly was stymied because he came in with the safety car to get Inters which I think in theory was a good idea because they turned out to be quicker but unfortunately everybody else did it at the same time and he came out stuck behind the Williams yep. uh, which was having an awful torrid time itself but because it was on the drying line if you tried to go offline to take a different line to overtake him you'd suddenly have to go much slower and, and so he just got stuck there for ages how is that is that Ferrari's fault? Should they, have, should they have seen that coming and tried something else? I mean, they wouldn't have known that was going to happen until everybody came into the pits at the same time. No, but that, I, mean, they, I mean, they have made some odd strategy choices Oh, yeah, this no, year. I'm not defending them for the, for the course of the year. And I feel that, I mean, a lot of people were caught out by the, the virtual safety car that came. I mean, Ricardo especially, we'll talk about it in a bit, but he was totally ruined by... Well, that neutralised all the guys who yeah. dived in for inters. Mm. But... It's systemic, isn't it? It's like Ferrari have have not shone in this respect at all. 
which you know and, and obviously it's different personnel there but that was what Ferrari were amazing at in the Braun years they would just they would make races so dull because they'd do a pit stop at a weird time and you'd be like what's that all about at the, the, the end of the race you'd be like oh he's 40 seconds in the lead because of that pit stop I don't understand that was really boring but it won it got results and now they're just it's like they're just playing buckaroo on the pit wall and they go right well whatever it whatever it springs up that's pit stop right <laughs> do you think ultimately you make your own luck I just think it's deeper than that with them I just think they seem to be able to design a good car and then they don't know what to do with it when they've got it. Every year, they start off with something, and then it gets worse. Well, they've got good drivers, and they're keeping their drivers next year. Have we talked oh, yeah. about that? Um, well, I was actually we going to ask about that. Go on, if, then. if you were a big wig at Ferrari, would you have given Raikkonen that contract? You mean Raikkonen that's third in the championship? Yes, I would. I have to say I'm quite surprised. I mean, he's been solid but unspectacular, and I don't think he's as good as he used to be I thought with the options that they have to bring somebody else in and there's quite a lot of them mm. I thought they would I thought they'd bring in new blood oh, I mean take your pick um, they could have gone for Bottas they've got Gutierrez and Verne in there Massa uh, can speak Italian it <laughs> <laughs> would be funny if Massa came out but I don't think he would uh, several young drivers that they've got in their program. I mean, they've got a choice of at least five or six, uh, I think. Well, Perez nearly so got the shot. Grosjean's close. <laughs> he's got Ferrari engines. Exactly. I mean, there's rumours that Vettel just... He's doing a bit of a Schumacher. He's, he has no problems with Raikkonen. Raikkonen doesn't seem hungry to win the championship. Perfect number two driver. Yeah. But good enough to... Let's, let's be honest. He is third in the championship. You know, he's not. He's oh, not. He's, he's not this year. terrible. But I mean, he's no but Vettel. He's but maybe. I mean, we've seen the problems that Mercedes are having with two fairly even drivers. Yeah, the Ferrari way has always been have a dominant driver. Yeah, maybe maybe that's just the way he's doing it. Vettel's called the shots. One last thing is that Raikkonen won the championship <laughs> when the two McLaren drivers were taking points off each other, yeah. and he scooped at the end and won by a couple of points, it, didn't, he? didn't he? And I mean. It, it can't happen this year because Mercedes are too far ahead, but he is third in the championship. If Mercedes crashes into each other every race, Raikkonen would be in the prize seat to to win the championship. But you could say that Vettel would be quite far ahead if he hadn't. I mean, he has had several incidents and episodes uh, of bad if, luck if, 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 with a tyre going and Kvyat hitting him and all this matters, kind of stuff. Eh? Is it points or is it what ifs? Right. Rises. Let's talk about the, uh, the team that, maybe not doing exactly what we expected, Red Bull. Uh, so we'll start off with reasons why you'd want to be Verstappen. Um, you're a popular guy. We Brits don't like anyone, but we do seem to like you. Uh, you did one of the best overtakes of the season past one of the most unpopular guys of the season. Uh, you said you had a technical problem in a really cool way. Uh, you got promoted to second, and you're now better than your dad. Uh, what was the technical problem in a really cool way? He said he was just like, I've got a technical problem. And what? <laughs> and it was like at the same time as Rosberg's like, I, what, what do I do? <laughs> I, I, I want to do something. Yeah. I genuinely want to ask Terry. Somebody brought this up on Twitter as we Rob. were going through the race. Terry, when you saw Verstappen, who you don't like, sticking a excellent move on Rosberg, Chapel and Beckett's, wherever it was, mm-hmm. were you conflicted? Were you sitting there going, they're both rubbish? No. Um, any long-term listeners of my output in Formula 1 will know that I have nothing else but incredibly fickle. And <laughs> I changed my mind... On a sixpence. And he's good, isn't he? Oh. Who? Um, that guy, Matt Rosberg. Verstappen. He's, ah. he's all right. Are you coming around? 
Do you still not like him, or are you grudgingly accepting that he is quite quick? I don't like him. I think he should have had another couple of years in a lower formula why? before coming to Formula One. Look how good he is. Because he's. I worry for him. That's why. <laughs> his emotional um, health. All right. He's not sure he's ready. Is it because he's half your age? And no, it's not because he's half my age. It's because it's <laughs> it's just because I'm. I don't. I'm not happy. Just you're fiddling a lot with the table. I don't want to talk about games. it. <laughs> don't want to talk about it. I just you know. He's 18. All right, he was 18. You know, when I was 18, I couldn't even finger a girl. <laughs> Terry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't Ooh. know if you have to pay for that or whether that's actually... You got me right into teenage mode there. You got me into grumpy, <laughs> moody teenage mode and that's what came out. Cheeky, do you like Verstappen? Uh, yeah, you're I do closer really like to his age. Yeah, I understand. But you're closer him, to his you know? age than you are to our age, which is very depressing. Um, oh, you know, hang on, how? What, you know, how old are you now? 26. I'm, I'm sort of in, in the middle. I'm slightly closer to his age. Yeah, years to him, age. ten years to us. Right now, let's move on to uh, reasons why you wouldn't want to be Ricardo. You made a massive error by not pitting when there was a safety car. You spent most of your race unable to overtake a Force India, and you were worst. So now you're stirring. And uh, you said that there's now a bit more of an atmosphere in the team since the race. So, guys, what do you think relations are like at Red Bull since Silverstone? On one point, I'd say Ricardo was caught out. I mean, it wasn't really an error that he didn't pit when the safety car came in. He definitely lost out when the virtual safety car came out. You couldn't predict that. That's unlucky. But I think I'm right in saying it's the first race that he's been just totally outdriven by Max Verstappen like all the other races qualified as well yeah all the other races Verstappen would beat him but there'd be an excuse Ricardo has something wrong something went something happened this that and the other this is the first time and you could see it in his eyes at the end he was just like this guy's good he, basically he's like me Ricardo's there going I don't I don't rate I don't rate this guy and now he's like oh he's good isn't he it's good. is it like Verstappen's done a really really funny F1 podcast <laughs> Oh, could you imagine? I imagine it would be. <laughs> <laughs> he bloody would, though, wouldn't he? Generally, we've been thinking, you know, oh, OK, Verstappen's got little bursts of speed here, but Ricardo's an experienced old soul, and he mm. usually prevails in one way or the other unless something goes against him. But, yeah, he was... I mean, Verstappen was just quicker than him all weekend. Must be, yeah. like, a little bit embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how he responds to this, though, because is is he going to sort of do a fiat and self-destruct? Mm. Or is he going to be like... Because, I mean, I really like Ricardo As a person, I think he's a really quick and exciting driver. So I'm, I'm now intrigued <laughs> to see within Red Bull, is Ricardo going to respond to this? Is he going to up his game? Or is he just going to go, oh... I'm not sure, because I don't think Ricardo was a bit up himself when he was against Vettel, because Vettel was just having an off year. The aerodynamics that he'd exploited so well in his championship winning years were gone, and he was just trying to get used to a different car, and Ricardo tranced it. When I think Ricardo went, that means I'm the best driver ever, because I'm better, and he was a bit cocky. Did and you say uh, that? I didn't say that, but, you know, <laughs> he, he was thinking it. He, was he thinking looked it. like he did. And I think he thought he saw off Vettel and was now the just top guy at Red Bull. Had a tough couple of years and Red Bull were awful. Now Red Bull are getting back to good again and he's got Verstappen in the other mm. car. And that's, I mean, I think the longer term history of Formula One will look back at Ricardo as a nearly man. I think he's, I think he's going to be overshadowed by Vettel and Verstappen in his car and he's in the middle and never got anywhere. Okay, let's talk about another disappointing team. <clears throat> Williams. Oh. Now, if we're going to play the ever-popular game of personifying Formula One teams into British politicians, last weekend, Williams was Boris Johnson. Like Boris, they went into an absolute mess that need to have some time out to think about what they're doing before racing or becoming Foreign Secretary. Do you think the errors were mainly down to the cars 
or the strategy? Oh, I mean, Red Bull made a car that in the wet is the fastest car on the field. That isn't the fastest car when it's dry, but when it's wet, Red Bull have got the aerodynamics to pull off an amazing car. Williams, a team that are so British, they're basically a cup of tea and a cucumber sandwich, should really design their car around being wet. You know, they should really just be like, well, we should, if we want to have a British team, we should be the team that's fast when it's wet. British mm-hmm. Grand Prix, wet track, that should be our absolute best chance. And they were woeful, and that is unpatriotic, and I think they should be sent to the tower for treason. Well, I mean, you could argue because they're such a British team, they did spend most of the race behind other people in a very orderly queuing fashion. Mm. Ooh, so nice. maybe they are doing their bit for Queen and Country. I mean, basically, they, they couldn't get their car to work, could they? They couldn't, they couldn't get any tyres to work properly. They held everybody else up. They ah. were a bit rubbish. I, I think it's more the car this time than the drivers. And it was the first time that Williams didn't come home with any points this season. Oh, really? On home oh, soil. God. That must have really yeah, hurt. Oh. I mean, it's yeah, it's the same as we've been saying all season, isn't it? It's like, oh, they're almost there, and then no, they're not there at all. Yeah, no, it's a shame. No. Okay. Claire Williams, what? though. What is wrong with you? I'm feeling like I'm being a bit sexist today. I'm talking about fingering. Last race, I talked about Francie and Claire Williams, mentioned it on Twitter, and got a lot of people writing back to me saying, "Oh, yeah, I would," and I'm like, "This is not what I wanted to unleash." Some kind of exactly. Well, I mean, for the you spirit like- of. Equal you opportunities. Like for who they are. If you went the other way. Well, I do really fancy Pascal Verlein. I've said that. Oh, on record. interesting. Okay, right. Let's sexy. talk about. I'm. Let's talk about Force <laughs> India. <laughs> Sorry, Chica. Sorry, Chica. In a crumbling country on the edge of economic crisis, this team provided us with a glimpse of national pride. In their hometown, Force India showed us what well-timed strategy looks like and what happens when you put two good drivers in fairly average cars. When this team get it right, they're biting at the heels of the guys at the front. Do you reckon they're worried about them? Yes. What What are they doing? Force India are run by Vijay Maria, who was at his first race this season because he's had his passport taken away. Anywhere else will get arrested. Yeah, he cannot leave the country. <laughs> so, you know, that's a good, a good role model. He's got an empire that is crumbling around him. Uh, every asset he owns is being stripped and taken away. Somehow... The Formula 1 team has some money, and somehow, on that money, they are doing really incredibly well. Mm. Like, it's it's unfathomable how well they're doing. So you've got no idea? They just must be really good. <laughs> I mean, they've got a strong engine, which is a good start. Well, they've the got a Mercedes engine, so on a, on a, yeah, on so a, tra- on a high-speed track like Silverstone. Yeah, oh no, I'm not, this is more down to... Williams being poor than yeah, uh, you know, fair play to Force India. They have done well, but they have they have got some advantages inherent in their car. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm not not to take anything away from them. They have done very well, and uh, when Hulkenberg and Perez hook it up, they are a, a pretty strong outfit. So I don't know how much better they're going to get this season. I, d- I would presume they're not really developing their car anymore this year because I think everybody now is pretty much looking at next year's now yeah. but but I think yeah they're on, on the track where it suits them and they don't make any mistakes they are really good yeah great right <laughs> McLaren um, I didn't see much of what McLaren got up to this last weekend last weekend either because nothing interesting happened or the updates coincided with my toilet breaks but I thought we discussed the future of a driver that we all have a soft spot for particularly my mother Jensen oh. Button your mother's Jensen Button <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep 
Where do you think I get my looks from? That's amazing. Um, so Ron Dennis announced that he's waiting till after the Italian Grand Prix in September to decide Button or Stoffel van Dorn for next season. Stoffel. Well, I mean, you, you, you just love mm. his name. Well, I love his name. <laughs> Jensen has his thing where when he starts to get cocky, you know he's been fired. And he, <laughs> I say you remember, do you remember the year he won? Braun won like the first seven or eight races and then the other teams <laughs> caught up and it was a real nail-biting. I think the last few races he finished like fifth or sixth. It was like a real kind of damp squib of it. He was just trying to hold on to his lead. And he kept saying, I'm not I'm not feeling any pressure. I'm not feeling any pressure. I'm fine. And then after he won, he was like, I was feeling so much pressure. We're like, yeah, we know. We know it's because <laughs> you were clearly lying. And now he's at all his interviews. He's being cocky. There's an interview on Channel 4 where they were like, oh, what are you doing now? I'm going to an engineering meeting. Oh, is Ron Dennis going to be there? Ron at an engineering meeting? Ha, ha, ha. It's like, well, you don't say that about your boss unless he's just fired you. <laughs> so there is no way he's racing next year for McLaren. Full stop. Well, I thought maybe um, they aren't telling Button because if they do tell him, then he'll just be crap for the rest of the season. Possibly. Or they don't want Renault to take Stoffel. Uh, well, hasn't Ron already said that Stoffel is not for sale? But having said that, I mean, oh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you may be well be right, Terry, but from a business point of view, Jensen is A, a world champion, B, ridiculously marketable, I would argue more so than Alonso. Oh, Particularly with, with Honda and the Japanese connection, because they and love him in Japan. And he's, those he's a very little videos they make of, of them in a car against a screen when they're doing a little road trip. Well, let's not talk so. about those. That's a ma- those? massive minus point. If, it, if, <laughs> if we were judging them on those, I'd have fired the both of them. But, <laughs> but no, you're right. Stoffel is incredibly promising, and I genuinely don't know which way they're going to call it because I, I could understand from a business point of view why they would keep Jensen because he's got so much experience. They're trying to get their car better. I mean, he's got he's, is he the longest serving driver in F1? No, he must be in pretty close, isn't he? He's the cu- definitely the current longest. Yeah, oh, that's what I mean, yeah. So he's got more experience than anybody else in the field. And when you're trying to develop a new car, surely that, I mean, not that I'm saying Alonso is particularly bad at it, but surely at McLaren, you'll want all the help you can get. Yeah, and good as Stoffel is, he, he won't be able to provide that. But Alonso's not doing well either, so... It- well, he did all right. I mean, he got into uh, he got into Q3 this week and, uh, okay, dropped down a bit afterwards, but I thought he drove pretty well in qualifying. I think they're going to farm Button out. He's going to drive for Williams for a swan song. It's going to be his kind of Pele in America season. It's going to be like, if I get a couple of podiums, that would be amazing. If not, you know, buy Formula 1, Sayonara. I don't think he'll be a McLaren next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not, but I equally wouldn't be surprised if he is. I wouldn't be surprised if he says, well, I'm done, I'm going to go and be the new guy on Top Gear, or maybe he'll decide he wants to do oh, a that poison chalice. <laughs> well, maybe. I, I thought he was good on the episode he's been in, and he's charming. Nothing else he you've got charming. to say, he's charming. And I'll tell you what, he advertises head and shoulders very well. He's in head and shoulders? Santander, do you remember that and one Santander. where he turns around and does the yeah, tiger? Yeah. By sheer coincidence, I've got a Santander credit card, and I use head and shoulders. <laughs> well, that marketing work. And you are right. an incredible racing driver. Okay. Hey, yes. I'm frankly running out of things to say about this team. As someone that knows nothing about football, as we realised earlier, I think I want to compare them to to a football team. And I imagine that they are similar to the England football team. As in, they once were good, they've been terrible ever since, and the only way to keep people supporting them is to remind them that they were once good. Last weekend, Grosjean retired and Gutierrez finished 10 seconds behind no points and deep in debt Sauber. Have these guys lost faith in themselves? I don't want to alienate America, but this is the problem with America. They are lazy. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. Terry, they come in full of hope, full of the American dream, full of this is the way it's going to be. And then when they've got to show a little bit of hard work, they just back off and go, do you know what? This is hard. Let's just do next year's car. Screw them. We've just lost all of our American listeners. Mm. Also, you sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like you're in the war. <laughs> well, you know. I, I, no, I, think, I think that, you know, they're doing all right. They didn't have a great weekend. But once again, as we say every race, if they hadn't been so good at the start, we'd be saying, oh, well, they're doing all right for a new team. Mm. They're still beating several other teams who have been around for years. They're all right. Leave them alone. Let's talk about a team that really did have a disappointing weekend. It is Renault. Now, if I could sum up this team's weekend in three words, they would be, you have no hope. And uh, I know that's four, but no and hope are hyphenated. Um, which three words... You could have gone for you've no hope in the posture. Mm, I don't think it sounds as good. It's that kind of muddy thinking that's ruining Renault's year. <laughs> which three words would you use to describe Renault's weekend? O-M-G. That's Those three are letters. letters. That oh, out. my God. Oh, good. nice. Quite slow, really. Not really quite slow? No. Okay. Double retirement. Not one to remember. Dodgy yeah. gearboxes. I mean, um, we always knew it was going to be a tough year for them, but mm, they yeah. have surpassed expectations <laughs> and made it tougher than we expected. <laughs> yeah. Also, the three wheels after a pit, that was definitely a highlight. Well, they just uh, by that point, they're bored, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean... I mean, if you were Justin Palmer's pit stop crew, could you be bothered? Guys, he's gone. We didn't put the other wheel on. <laughs> oh... Oh. Right, call him back. We'll probably go. Oh, we'll have to go. Oh, we can't reverse. We're going to have to go and get I'm him. Have Jonathan Palmer calling me now. He's going to send me a three-page email. <laughs> oh God, he actually knows the rule that I've broken. We'll oh, never be able God. to race at any of his circuits in the UK again. Well, who wants to race at Brands Hatch? Brands Hatch, Netterton, Shitterton, Cadwell Park. Twenty quid. Another five. I think is it Cadwell Park? <laughs> Bedford Autodrome. Toro Rosso. Now, this was a positive weekend for a team whose role in life is to be the underdog. It also provided a tiny light at the end of Kvyat's long, dark <laughs> tunnel of a career. After Kvyat's Saturday, I'm surprised he even turned up on Sunday. However, he raced well and scored his first point since his cruel demotion from Red Bull. His teammate did, of course, do a lot better than him. This being the seventh time he's brought home points this season and he beat a Ferrari although not sure how proud he should be of that after Vettel's performance. Was it skill or circumstances that bought them their successes? Both. Oh, no, that's too easy. Circumstances. Okay. Why? <laughs> Do you want to expand on that? Well, I think it was both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I actually didn't think Kvyat had a great weekend. I mean, to, for Science to qualify ninth and Kvyat to be down at 15 is not mm. great. Okay, you sort of pulled it back in the race. I was playing on my Xbox the other week, and I was doing qualifying for a Formula 1 race. Mm -hmm. And I'd never realised how close all the drivers are. Because there's a bit, when you get to the end of the lap, right, and it kind of shows you where you're going to feed into the grid. And you're going to kind of like, oh, if you finish anything, every first, second, third, blah, blah. and then it just goes, this is 28th, and I was just always last. But in that moment, they all skip together really quickly. So the difference between 9th and 15th is like, that long. It's like, that's, that's how long it takes. That. And we're there well, being that's like, right. oh, that's one for you. It's closer now, I think, than it's ever been, hasn't it? Yeah. Because we all remember, oh, back in the day when all the racing was close. No. They no. were massively spread like out eight, by six or seven yeah. seconds a lap at least. Whereas this is like, 9th place is, it's like from now to now. 
<laughs> now. <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs> go, go. It's impressive that it's always, pr- well, it's a very similar lineup considering it's that close. Otherwise, yes. you think it's just luck, it, whoever. It is really close, but the fact that the, you know, that the same old guys come largely in and around throughout the same position shows that. They're all quite you know, good. It's still well. They're all quite good, but yeah, these these little points count. And the, the fact is that Kvyat hasn't been as good at science. And I also wonder if now we're about to see Toro Rosso. This might be sort of the start of Toro Rosso's maybe decline. Because remember, why, why decline? Well, because they've got maybe not decline, but everybody else. Although they're probably not developing their cars that much anymore, they might do little tweaks here and there. But they probably will be developing their engines still. Whereas. Toro Rosso have last year's mm-hmm. Ferrari engine which won't be developed at all so well, the amount of power they've got now that's it but next season they could have a nice fresh new engine yeah they'll have a Renault engine next year won't they yes a yet to be decided branded Renault engine I think engine. it was signs this week that said that they think that the Honda has caught up to last year's Ferrari which yeah. sounds bad for Toro Rosso frankly sounds bloody awful for uh, <laughs> McLaren doesn't it because after last year going we're going to be th- we're going to be the podium by Spain and then a year later going We've nearly caught up to last year's <laughs> car. <laughs> I wonder if this is going to spell more trouble for Kvyat, though, because he's now going to—he's not going to be able to sort of lean on a decent car. And well, his teammate—he's he's got to beat signs. That's his. All he can do this year is beat signs, and he can't do it. I was going to say, do you think he can? I love Kvyat, but he's going to Formula E. Oh, right. of course he is. Toro Rosso driver—they all go to Formula E. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Manor. Um, so last weekend, Manor were a 65-year-old expat called Peggy living in Costa del Sol which means they were a bit embarrassing and they don't do rain. What do you think of the driver's chances in moving to a better team next season? Pascal Verlein, who, for the record, fancy. Um, he, <laughs> fancy Verlein? I really do. I really what do. is it about him? I think it's his Germanness. He's very young looking. <laughs> He's got a bit of an exotic. Isn't he half uh, Mauritian? Is he? That might be why. Not Mauritian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Although they could be apt. Anyway, we're off track. Good track, though. Oof. Their car hasn't got enough downforce in the rain. It's rubbish. I think Pascal is going to stick around in Manor until Mercedes fired Nico Rosberg. And I think Harrianto's here this year and sayonara. I don't think... I mean, Harrianto out-qualified Verline this weekend, oh, which is not the first time he's done it. I, I wonder been, if he might be decent enough to hang around for a bit. I think he's been better than Verline all year, except Verline scored the point. That's the weird uh, thing. Ooh, I wouldn't yeah. necessarily agree that. with that. But, <laughs> but I, know, I think Harrianto could be a year. sort of... I mean, could he be a sort of... Sato? No, better than that. I was thinking, perhaps unfairly, and Inoue? haven't thought it through... Could he be a, a non-crashy Maldonado in that oh. he's... Because Maldonado, when he didn't crash, it's all right. So you, you take, take away the crashing, Maldonado, fairly quick. So it brought al- loads of money. Always so be... When Jensen Button doesn't breathe, he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> I think Harry Anto might be around for a while. If he, if he can continue bringing money and he doesn't yeah. have spectacular accidents and make a bad name for himself, I think he could quite reasonably think, be around in the middle, middle of the ground teams. He could be not, a new Hulkenberg. He's not screwed up, is he, this year? He's not done no, I think he's acquitted no. himself very well. well. well Everyone like wrote him off as a paid driver, and he's held his own very well. And Rio is a great name. And finally, Sauber. Here we witnessed two excellent drivers who, despite driving the 1995 Vauxhall Vectra of Formula One, did better than expected. That is that 50% of the team actually finished the race. NASA zoomed up the standings from 21st to just one place away from the points and Ericsson proved to be a medical miracle, managing to start the race after he survived an NHS checkup at Buckingham Community Hospital on Friday. Ooh. Do you think this is the best we're going to get out of Sauber this season? 
what, to have one non-finish and one 15th? Mm-hmm. Well, let's say that crash was not as spectacular looking as it well the aftermath. Well, you say that. When I initially saw it, it was the first time I saw it, it was shown in slow motion. And then they showed it again at full speed where it looked a lot more violent. Yeah, it was a proper kind of... It was <gasps> quite a big and... It, yeah. yeah, slowed down. It was like, well, spin, 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 bonk, spin back. Sped up, he was going at quite a lick. It was quite a big hit. Lots of violent lateral swingage. My favourite shot of the weekend was he was like stood up and there was a guy just like poking his neck. And I was like, yeah, so, I mean, it was a doctor, to be fair. Well, <laughs> just, it wasn't just a fan. It's a fan on the track going, oh, are you right? Oh, that guy, are you real? But... He just seemed to be pressing a bit too hard. Like, he's just going, does this hurt? What about now? What about now? <laughs> Maybe that's why he went to hospital, because yeah. he did get out of the car and looked all right. <laughs> took his <laughs> helmet off, and then some bloke tried to strangle him, and he ended up in hospital. The Conspiracy corner. So, to answer my question... <laughs> what was the oh, question? Yeah. Do you think this is the best we're going to get out of Salva? I hope no. I, I mean, hope that crashes they... aside, I don't mean crashes. Well, we, we were talking last episode, weren't we? There, there was rumours that there was going to be an announcement yeah, that they got a load of money, and I don't remember hearing one. Did you hear of one? Nope. Well, maybe maybe later in the season they'll get a big cash injection and might be better, but mm. I hope I hope I hope like we said last I hope time, they do better. We really want them to do well, but I want them to not. get a big load of cash and start getting back up to towards their BMW. Maybe day. instead of donating to mine, I should have donated <laughs> my swear box money to Sauber. <laughs> <laughs> do you think Nasa will be driving for them next season? Because he's good. He's I, I think if both of them have got money and I nobody else wants his career him. is tied to Felipe Massa. I don't think it's funny if you've just got one of them in the group. You need both of them. But I think Massa's in his last year, so I think Nasa's going to not he make it. be on the same team. That would oh. be amazing. That would be my ideal. Get Felipe Massa back into Sauber, driving with Felipe Nasa. Mm-hmm. Or could they combine and then this their forces would to be create... done by Terry Saunders and Jerry Sanders. <laughs> Maybe they could combine to create a new team. Oh, Mazanaza. Haas. Mazanaza. They should both go to Haas. Haas, Nasa and Massa. Haas, Nasa, Massa. Hayes. Hayes, though. Massa. Sponsored by Philips. So let's go on to my favourite part of the podcast. Yay! It's the standing with Terry Saunders. Okay, this week I thought I'd go into uh, Mark Goodyear mode, and this is the singles <laughs> chart. As <laughs> dating yourself there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who does his charts these days? Nick Grimshaw? No. Scott Crawford? Is that really... Um, Scott Crawford? Isn't he one of our regular listeners? <laughs> yeah. And currently, holding on to number one by one point is Don't Speak by No Doubt. Uh, number two is Love Is All Around by Wet Wet Wet. Number nice. three is Linger by The Cranberries, just announced he's still at Ferrari next year. <laughs> Number four is The Aussie with Two New Broken Hearts of the World by Jason Donovan. <laughs> Fifth place, Can't Stand Losing You by The Police. Sixth place, it's little Jimmy Osmond from, with long-haired lover from Liverpool. Isn't he cute? Who's that? <laughs> Max Verstappen. Seventh place is I Want to Break Free, I Want to Break Free by Queen. Eighth is Save All Your Kisses for Me by Brotherhood of Man. <laughs> by the way, this idea was amazing. The first three came easily and the rest are, are filler, basically. You're going to have to explain some of these. Don't speak is Rosberg because okay. he's not allowed to speak on the radio. Okay. Hamilton, wet, wet, wet is Hamilton because he's very good in the wet. Oh, yeah. Okay. And also, um, he's loved by everyone around him yeah. due to the crowd surfing at the end of the race. Uh, Linger by the Cranberries is right. Raikkonen, who's still around. Yeah. Tuning Broken Hearts in the World is Jason Donovan because he's Australian. <laughs> it's Ricardo. <laughs> Fifth okay. is I Can't Stand Losing You by Police, the Police, which is um, Vettel because he can't stand losing. Oh, uh, right. Okay, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. In sixth place, I don't normally have to explain <laughs> this, so. It's little Jimmy Osmond, because Max Verstappen is very cute. Okay. Seventh place is I Want to Break Free, which is Bottas, because he's bored at Williams. Okay. 
Eight is save all your kisses for me by Brotherhood of Man. That's Sergio Perez who saves his tyres very well. Uh, tyres for me. Okay. Save for your uh, Ninth is the end by the doors. Massa, come on, he's not oh, yeah, around. Oh, yeah, that's the end, yeah. Tenth is Je Tem by Serge Gainsborough. Oh, he's Je Tem. Um, eleventh place is, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, by Nico Hulkenberg. So oh, not quite so results is what he's, really looking, for. What okay, he's looking for. Okay, okay. Twelfth, Some Might Sains by Oasis. Oh, my God. <laughs> you just ruined it all. Thirteenth, Song for Daniil by Elton John. Fourteenth, <laughs> We Have All the Time in the World by Louis Armstrong. That's, uh... Alonso, playing the waiting game. Fifteenth, <laughs> should I stay or should I go by the clash? Button, yes. Button. Hey. There we go. Sixteenth is "Don't Leave Me This Way" by the Communards, which <laughs> is Kevin Magnuson saying, "Don't leave me at Renault." Seventeenth <laughs> is "Skater Boy" by Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Hang on, why is he a skater boy? I just fancy him. <laughs> <laughs> and an eighteenth is "Stop a Ruffle" by the Venga Boys. <laughs> And please, Derry, after that <laughs> highly Stop cryptic, can you give us the constructors' rundown, please? Okay, in first place, it's the Trans Europe Express by Kraftwerk. <laughs> Second place is Stars by Simply Red very good, Team. Very good, very good. Uh, third place is the Best of S Club 7, <laughs> Red Bull. Uh, fourth place, the Best of Chaz and Dave. You know, Cockneys. Uh, fifth place. Mo money, mo problems by Notorious B.I.G. I mean, they've got no money, well, fewer, but they're doing, fewer problems. they're doing very well. Mm. Yes, well done. Um, sixth place is Together by S-Club Juniors. <laughs> there you go. Seventh, Waiting to Exhale by Whitney Houston. Just waiting for those that. points. Waiting to expire. Uh, eighth is uh, Middle of Nowhere by Hanson, which is the album that had Mbop uh, on. Hanson. Um, ninth uh, is... Moon Safari by Air. <laughs> French album. And tenth is One Point by The Beatles. Nice. <laughs> nice, thank you. And please, Terry, can you tell us what you think about the state of F1? Well, this week is not the state of F1 as such. It's the state of one team. Oh. We need to talk about Ferrari. In a climate where Hollywood's biggest films are mild reboots, it seems that Formula One's most reddest team is constantly rehashing its origin story. Another year goes by where they promise the title challenge, but mysteriously forget how to build a car that goes forwards around halfway through the season. Alonso tries to reboot Schumacher by... By that, I don't mean physically reboot Schumacher. After the accident, yeah, that's no, no. awful. Alonso tried to reboot Schumacher by joining an ailing team having a couple of surprise victories and then reaping in championship after championship when it all came together. Except it didn't. But now, Sebastian Vettel has come along and he's instead trying to reboot Schumacher via a totally different approach of joining an ailing team, having a couple of surprise victories, then reaping in championship after championship when it all came together. Except it isn't. It's not like we can bemoan current Formula 1 and the lack of money in teams. Ferrari, just for having hung around the longest and had the most tantrums, get a whole heap of extra money just for turning up. The fact they're the third best team is frankly a joke. But don't worry, I have a solution. Every time things don't go Ferrari's way, they have a little tantrum and they threaten to leave the sport. And as they are F1, everyone panics, gives them what they want and then bemusedly watches them somehow fuck it all up until the next tantrum. Fuck Worth a five. It's time to put them out of their misery. Like a prancing horse flailing on the ground after a fall at the Grand National, it's time to take a shotgun and blast <laughs> them in their history. We've lost a lot of heritage teams over the years, and Formula 1 manages to cope. Without Ferrari banging on about the past, maybe we can move on to the future with teams consisting of just acronyms for names, like in Formula E. <laughs> or maybe they should just change the colour. 
Yellow's a nice colour for Ferraris. Renault. Sacrilege. I think it'd be good. A yellow Ferrari. Are you telling me you don't miss the likes of Cooper and Van Wall? And miss them, but can Ligier. cope admirably. Doesn't keep me awake at night. We had Lotus come back. It was disappointing. I'm genuinely intrigued to see what F1 would be like without Ferrari. Just be better. What do you think it would be like? I think it would still be fun. I'd still watch it. Exactly. <laughs> if, uh, well, maybe we should put a, a thing. If anybody listening thinks that Formula One cannot exist without Ferrari, let us know why. Because clearly mean, F1 think they are, and Ferrari think they are. They've got, and all the drivers do, because everyone wants to be a, full, a Ferrari driver at some point, yeah. apparently. Don't get me wrong. Lots of heritage. It's great. But, but the world would go out without them. Yeah. And the funny thing is, if you take away that very definite schumacher Braun era of Ferrari, they have been woeful since the 70s. Really, the whole eighties was a, yeah, was a, a few little bits here and there. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, little bits is not Lauda a championship. Won a couple of championships. Yeah, we're talking seventies, eighties. You know, there's the most of the eighties was was a, a washout. <laughs> when I started watching Formula One, they were just a joke at the back of the field with like like, like Williams are now. They came back with this whole new way of doing Formula One with Braun and Schumacher. Didn't learn any of those lessons, and as soon as they both left, they just went back into the doldrums of being like. Hey, we're Ferrari. We'll just win because because we're old. Well, that's not how it works. It doesn't work in athletics, does it? You don't get the old guy coming out going, "Oh, look, it's it's Steve Cram. <laughs> He'll win because he's been doing it for ages." <laughs> That is it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans and to Terry Saunders. All I want to talk about is something we haven't had time to talk about, but I did mention it earlier, is Apple potentially buying Formula One. I, I love Apple. Is this going to happen? I love Apple. I love Formula One. This would be, like, amazing. Where, where did you read this, please? Joe Sayward, Sayward, just Sawawad. How do you say his name? Sayward. Sayward. He put it on his blog. And the thing is, he is one of those proper Formula One journalists with proper credentials. Like us. Like us. (laughs) That doesn't engage in rumours unless there's something behind it. So if he says something, there's something in it. We'll be back next week for the Hungarian Grand Prix. But until then, I'm going to finish with a quote from Reverend Hamilton from last weekend. There are people out there from all walks, from different places, poor, wealthy, going through difficult times. And on this day, we come together. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Hashtag blessed. I've been Chica Rez. Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.